am I? How tough am I? I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. <laughs> yes, so? Without any milk. Greetings, Nailers fans, and welcome into another exciting episode of The Toolbox. I'm your host, DJ Abacella, and I have so much information, I don't know how I got it all into one show, but here's a little teaser of what's coming up on this week's program. The Nailers have announced eight player signings for the upcoming season, bringing the total up to 16. We're going to talk goaltending within the Central Division as one of the Central Division teams added a new affiliate this week, and there's an impact as that team could also receive a goaltender from its NHL slash AHL teams. There are two more of our alumni from Thunderbirds and Nailers in the ECHL's top 30 players of all time. We'll chat with the voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, TV broadcaster Steve Mears as the Penguins open up their prospect camp with a game on September 7th in Buffalo and then the first preseason game wow this is coming on quick September 18th also on the road against the Buffalo Sabres and for our where are they now segment this is a really cool one as we will take you to the big screen and tell you which former nailer is doing some dangerous things in the movies all right, I know that fans have certainly been looking forward to seeing more signings coming out this summer and looking to see how this 2018-19 Naylor roster will continue to take shape as we make our way towards the fall and the preseason, which is right around a month away. And certainly a lot of work has been done as the Naylors recently have announced eight more player signings. And as I mentioned in the opening, that takes the summer total to 16, which is a breakdown of eight forwards, seven defensemen, and one goaltender. So we'll go straight in order of how they were announced. We'll start with the four defensemen, and the first two are two that we saw at the end of last season when they finished their college careers and began their pro careers here in Wheeling. First off is Matt Apt, who in 12 games with the team put up one goal, which was scored in his debut against the Reading Royals, also had five assists for six points. Matt, if you've seen him in person, he has a large frame. He's six foot for 180 pounds and when you see a tall defenseman one of the first things that goes into your mind is that he is a shutdown D-man but at the same time with those six points in 12 games we also saw some offensive upside out of Matt and I'm really excited to see him in his first pro season his first full pro season and what he can do because man if we can continue to see that strong offensive upside and match it with a very good defensive game he could really turn out to be a a valuable part of this blue line and could potentially even see games at a higher level. So Matt Apt is back in the fold once again and of course he came out of RIT was the school that he attended before turning pro in the spring. Our second returning defenseman is Ayrton Valente and he had a goal, three assists and four points in 11 games. Fun story with Ayrton is a Division Three player out of SUNY Plattsburgh, and that's one where I think especially for those Division Three players, they have to work that much harder. Not to say that Division Three is necessarily a step down, but certainly you're used to seeing those top Division One programs, and was really awesome to see what Valente was able to do in those 11 games. I thought he was very mobile. He can move the puck, and the play that I especially enjoyed 
enjoyed with Ayrton was his first career assist, which came in his pro debut in Manchester when he had the puck at the blue line and he, he kind of hesitated, drew the defenseman or the forward who was playing up front along with him, and that helped to open up a passing lane to one of his teammates on the right side of the net for what turned out to be a really easy tap-in goal. But it would not have been that easy if it weren't for Ayrton really being patient, surveying the situation, and being able to make a nice play to set it up. So Matt Apt, Ayrton Valente, both into the fold once again for a second year as a nailer, but both will still be considered as rookies as they did not hit the 25 games in order to qualify to remove that rookie tag. Two new faces on the blue line and two more rookies for you. First is Brian Diffley, who checks in at six foot two and 184 pounds, which is relatively average size when you look at defensemen around the ECHL. His numbers indicate more of a defensive defenseman as he came out of Boston University. But one of the things I really appreciate out of Diffley was that his plus minus was in the positives for all four years that he was at school. And in talking with Mark Dennehy, who was the coach who originally signed Diffley, obviously now Mike Bavis will inherit Diffley and will certainly be looking strong at him during training camp, both Diffley and Bavis coming from Boston University, but said that skating is one of Diffley's strengths. And Diffley also played in a lot of big games at school four straight years in the NCAA National Tournament, including an appearance in an NCAA National Championship game with Terriers. Final defenseman signing for this stretch is Josh Couturier, similar size as Diffley at six foot two and 189 pounds. Couturier started his college career at Boston College and then after his freshman year transferred to UMass Amherst. Because of NCAA eligibility rules, Couturier had to sit out one season and then play the following year, which was this past year. And when he did that, he saw his point total increase from six to 15, so perhaps playing a bigger role at UMass Amherst and more minutes in the scouting report on Josh is that he has a bomb of a shot. So we have a few of those guys on the blue line who have cannons, so we could be seeing some real exciting battles for who's going to be the power play quarterback and firing shots through onto the net. Now we shift our attention to the forwards, which was the second group of four that we announced. First of all, one of the players you saw last season, and that is Andrew Schmidt had three assists in 10 games as an ailer. Brought some nice energy when he was on the ice, and I thought he did well playing a simple type of a game. We saw some creativity, and if I were a betting man, I bet that he had the opportunity to do more here than he may have been able to do in Indy earlier in the season. So looking to see Schmidt take another step forward in his career. His first year was spent entirely in the SPHL, and then last year entirely in the ECHL. So looking again to continue to develop him and get better and better things out of Andrew Schmidt going forward as he comes back for his second stint with the Nailers. Second forward was Tyler Bird, who is a big forward at six foot two and 200 pounds. First thing you think when you hear those numbers is a type of a power forward, and he showed steady improvement at Brown University, finishing strong, 
and durable. Wow. Only missed four games during his entire college career, and those were as a freshman. So perfect attendance as a sophomore, a junior, and a senior for the Brown Bears. He's a former NHL draft pick by the Columbus Blue Jackets, so there's definitely something there that attracted people in the high levels of the hockey community. And something to think about, too, and I talked about this earlier this summer when we were talking about Cornell, is that Brown was 55th out of 60 teams in NCAA Division I hockey in goals scored in back-to-back years. So when you look at the numbers, don't freak out and also understand the type of a team he was on, and this is not to dump on Brown whatsoever, but you look at it as an opportunity for him with better players around him to really elevate that game as he turns pro. So I'm excited to see what Tyler Bird is going to bring forth in his first season as a pro. Another rookie signing was Brian Seenerth, normal size, six foot even, 185 pounds, and his senior year took off at Mercyhurst University up the road in Erie, Pennsylvania. That was certainly his best year of college hockey. Ten goals, 16 assists, and 26 points in 33 games, and you hope that he builds on that as he makes the jump into the pro game for his rookie year coming up here in the fall. And then the last signing, and this is a real neat one, Yushiro Hirano, who is going to be the second Japanese player in Wheeling hockey history. The first was Hiroyuki Miura, who played six games the Wheeling Thunderbirds in 1993-94, and Hirano has been in North America before. He he played a year for Youngstown in the USHL under former Nailers assistant coach John Robleski. Last year played in Japan and Sweden and he's also attended development camp with the San Jose Sharks and a prospect camp with the Chicago Blackhawks. So Hirano has had NHL eyes on him before and the scouting report on Yushiro is that he has a very strong shot. So I am very excited to see what he is going to bring to the table when training camp begins the first week of October. Training camp is going to be a blast, and this is going to be my eighth season with the organization, and I think this is the one that I'm most excited about, where you already have 16 players signed. There's going to be even more from Naylor's head coach, Mike Davis, plus you're going to have the trickle-down from the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League contracted players in the organization. There are going to be some dynamite competitions, whether it's during those first couple of days of training camp, whether it's in the two preseason games, it's going to be a ton of fun to watch and to see who the true best players are that we'll be able to have to advance and make that opening night roster. And you look at it as an example, on defense, you have seven defensemen already signed, Titcom, Carter, Thick, Diffley, Couturier, Apt, Valente, and then you also have the potential of maybe even four from Wilkes-Barre Scranton. We've talked about it throughout the summer. The likes of Spinozzi, Masonius, Burks, and Austin. That gives you 11. You usually don't carry much more than eight. So that just gives you an example of some of the battles that we're going to be seeing that first week of October during training camp to see who is able to make the opening roster for October 13th when the Nailers visit the Norfolk Admirals. Also, speaking of preseason and training camp, we have announced the preseason schedule. And once again, on tap is a two-game weekend series with the Cincinnati Cyclones. It is a home-and-home home series. The first game will be on Friday, October 5th at West Bank Arena starting at 7.05. And then the back half of it is Saturday, October 6th, 7.35 at U.S. Bank Arena in downtown Cincinnati. We 
play these guys in preseason pretty much every year. This will be the fifth year in a row. There was one gap year in 2013-14 when Cincinnati decided that a trip to Alaska was exactly what the doctor ordered for the preseason. And, hey, ended up working out to uh, appearance in the Kelly Cup final the following spring. So who's to criticize that? But certainly nice to have our yearly tradition with the Cyclones, who we will play eight times head-to-head as well during the regular season. Big-time meaningful games this year against Cincinnati, which I absolutely love. First time that the Nailers and Cyclones have been division rivals since 2014-15 when it came right down to the last week of the season as to who was in and who was out, and the Nailers got that spot by three points. Sticking with the theme of the Central Division, one of our Central Division opponents announced its new NHL affiliate earlier this week. This, I talked about it on last show, it's one of the worst kept secrets in the league, and now it's official finally, as the Fort Wayne Comets have locked on with the Vegas Golden Knights. Fort Wayne was with the Arizona Coyotes last year. Arizona, of course, signing on with the Norfolk Admirals earlier this summer. Last year, Vegas, its first year as an NHL team, its first ever ECHL affiliate was the Quad City Mallards, who are no longer members of the league, and that leaves Greenville and Rapid City as the last two teams on the list without having officially announced an NHL. NHL affiliate. And when you see a team lock up with an NHL affiliate, one of the first areas that I look at is goaltending because a good chunk of the time you see at least one, if not both goaltenders coming from affiliates. And that's a hugely important position. We've seen it how many times here in Wheeling. And we're already looking at it this year with John Muse or whatever's going to transpire out of Anthony Peters' situation. We saw it at the start of last year and the year before with John McGuire coming down from Pittsburgh. The year that the Nailers went to the final, Brian Foster was their affiliated goaltender. You look back to the Montreal days, Frankie Palazis, Mike Condon, Eric Hartzell. These guys play big parts in the season and how it's going to go. So with Fort Wayne locking up with Vegas, first of all, the Comets already had two goaltenders signed, one being Lucas Hafner, who was part of Colorado's first run to the Kelly Cup Championship, and he was also on the team this past year, also signing a rookie in Kyle Hayton. But look now, Hayton could be potentially the third-string guy, and Hafner could drop down to number two because Vegas and its AHL affiliate, the Chicago Wolves, already has five goaltenders under contract. Number five on the depth chart right now is former Brampton Beast goaltender Zachary Fucali. so you could see Fucali as the starting goaltender for the Comets this coming season. So that leads me to tell you about the rest of the Central Division and the goaltending pitchers there. Cincinnati has signed one of its own goaltenders in Hayden Stewart, who saw a little bit of time in the pros at the end of the year, but Buffalo and Rochester have five. The likely of those five would be Jonas Johansson, who was in Cincinnati for almost all of last season. He would likely be the one to trickle down once again. But again, we have that scenario with Anthony Peters still having his rights owned by Cincinnati and whatever direction that is going to go. Then you have the Toledo Walleye, who are affiliated with Detroit and Grand Rapids. And they're one of those teams, like last year, doesn't mess around. The Wings and the Griffins always sign six, and that's what they had in uh, Toledo last year with Pat Nagel and Matej Mohovsky at the start of the year. Nagel is under contract again, but they also have Patrick Rybar and Caden Fulcher, two rookies. So we'll see one of those three, Nagel, Rybar, Fulcher, will likely make Grand Rapids, and the other two will likely be the tandem that makes up the walleye. You have Kalamazoo, Joel Martin retired, so this is a brand new chapter for the Wings. 
But Kalamazoo in so traded for Jake Hildebrand, who will be entering his third ECHL season. And then their affiliate, Vancouver slash Utica, Vancouver in the end, Utica in the A, has five goalies as well, which would leave Ivan Kolbikov towards the bottom of that chart and likely make him the goaltender to go to Kalamazoo. Kolbikov spent time in Quad City and Cleveland last year. And then you have the Indy Fuel, who signed Jason Pawlowski, but running into a situation with Chicago and Rockford having six under contract. So you look at possibly Matt Tompkins, who was in Indy last year, and maybe also Kevin Lankinen getting some time with the Fuel. So some good depth with goaltending around the Central Division. Just gives you an idea what we could be looking at and facing as we go into the year. Of course, the Central Division makes up the majority of the 18-19 schedule. Sticking with that theme of goaltending, there was a former Naylor goaltender who got a contract somewhere else, and it was an American Hockey League deal for Adam Morrison from this past year's team as he signs on with the Hershey Bears. And you look at where that could leave him. Washington is one of those teams that is super-duper deep in the goaltending department you look at most likely Braden Holtby and Phoenix Copley getting the one and two duties in NHL Washington Copley would move up to the NHL after the Capitals traded Philip Grubauer to the Colorado Avalanche earlier this summer and then Hershey will likely have Vitek Vanacek who's already entering his fourth pro season and then they have a stud prospect for the Capitals a former first round NHL draft pick in Ilya Samsonov could Samsonov trickle down to South Carolina maybe but I I would be willing to bet that he'll likely at least start the season up there in Hershey, which would then put Adam Morrison teaming up with Parker Milner in South Carolina. And if you just heard a jaw drop to the floor, I think that was the rest of the South Division who's looking up and going, ugh. Florida and South Carolina got to deal with those two again. And the Stingrays would have Milner, the reigning ECHL goalie of the year, who was 28-7-3 with a 1.86 goals against average. And then Adam Morrison, who's coming off an 18-win season with the Nailers. That does not make things easy, and we will see South Carolina down there for one game in November. Goaltending, it seems to be the topic of today's show. One of those goaltenders who has spent time here in Wheeling was part of the ECHL's top 30 players as the league announced players 11 through 20. Number 16 is the goaltender Daniel Berthume. Berthume played 10 games for the 1994-95 Wheeling Thunderbirds, going 6-1-1. He went on to play in the league with the Roanoke Express and the Greensboro Generals. Kind of went backwards in his career, so to speak, as he started his career with the highest of highs, Starting out in the NHL with the Winnipeg Jets, also saw time with the Minnesota North Stars, the LA Kings, and the Boston Bruins before finishing in the minors. And he was also an inductee into the ECHL Hall of Fame class of 2016. Number 15 on the list of the top ECHL players of all time was one of the greatest Thunderbirds and then Nailers in team history. Darren Schwartz, he is a member of the Wheeling Hockey Hall of Fame. 62 goals scored in 1992-93, still a team record to this day. And his 32nd hat trick, which he scored as a member of the Thunderbirds in the inaugural season, is still a league record for the fastest hat trick scored. 143 goals, which is a team record for career numbers. 119 assists, 262 in the points department. And of course... Who could mistake him on the ice with 561 penalty minutes? You weren't going to mess around with that guy in 197 career games. And he, of course, also is a member of the ECHL Hall of Fame as he was inducted in the class of 2013. 
as we continue to talk about alumni, real fun story here. Where are they now? And this one I picked up as we were at home the other night watching the movie Goon, The Last of the Enforcers. Cam Fergus, who was a nailer at the very end of 2011-12 and all of 2012-13, he is actually in that movie as he plays a stunt double for the villain character Anders Kane. Since 2016, Cam has done stunts in 24 different movies or TV series and has acted in four. Wow! Did not see that one coming, but certainly a really cool career path as Cam Fergus retired from playing hockey and is now risking life and limb by doing stunts and by also acting in the movies. So what a neat career there for former Naylor Cam Fergus. We talked about it earlier in the toolbox how NHL training camp is literally less than a month away now and what a great time to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins, our NHL affiliate for the 21st year in a row and it's their television broadcaster Steve Mears. Mearsy, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. This summer, a little bit longer than maybe the last couple. How is everybody in Pittsburgh, are they chomping at the bit to get out there and get ready to try and reclaim that Stanley Cup? You get the itch and uh, I think now with uh, more articles popping up around the NHL and uh, more team previews and that sort of thing, uh, I'm really starting to get excited for September and training camp and, uh, and what I think is the best time of year because everybody's got a clean slate and, and come into a fresh new season. Everybody's recharged, especially, as you said, the Penguins more recharged now than they have been in recent years with the, the shorter summers that they've had. So I, I think they're going to be ready to go. Last year, it was the third straight year that Pittsburgh accumulated 100 points in the regular season, which is terrific by any standard. But as the team went into the offseason, what were some of the major focuses and areas that they wanted to get even better? Yeah, I think uh, the word you kept hearing was depth over and over again uh, from Jim Rutherford and Mike Sullivan and just trying to get deeper in some key positions. And one of them, of course, was defense. They go out and acquire Jack Johnson. I I really like that move. I know there was some... uh, criticism some fans weren't too happy with it but when you look at the market for defensemen who are out there with experience and good puck movers he was one of the better names that was available was not a deep market for defensemen this year in free agency so a guy that's affordable not that old and has the connection with Jim Rutherford from Carolina with Sidney Crosby from prep school he played at the U.S. National Development Program with Phil Kessel it's just a lot of familiarity And I think uh, he's going to be in a much better situation in Pittsburgh than he was in Columbus with a much better team, and and the guy can play. So uh, I like the move, and uh, especially as a depth signing on the blue line, you can never have too many defensemen. So uh, that was important. And also uh, at center, one of the the most important positions, and uh, getting depth at center, and that's exactly what Jim Rutherford did with the signing and the reacquisition of Matt Cullen, and now the Penguins who were already arguably the deepest team at center, are just absolutely loaded now. When you think about Crosby, Malkin, Broussard, Riley Sheehan, Matt Cullen, Derek Grant, to provide some depth as well. That you have to be really excited about. If you're a Pens fan and you know that even if in the event of an injury, and we know injuries happen all the time, that the center position is absolutely covered, not just, one, two, three, but one, two, three, four, five, and even six. They've got so many solid centers that they can rely upon in different roles. 
And as you go down into that depth chart a little bit more, even with the superstars on the roster who never change year in and year out, obviously Crosby and Malkin are at the top of that list. Pittsburgh still does an outstanding job of developing young impact players who were able to jump in and contribute in a big way. Who are you looking at this year as some of those young guns that could maybe play a part and get some big NHL minutes this year or maybe down the road in a year or two? Well, the name, uh, he was mentioned in Jim Rutherford's year-end press conference as a guy who was going to be an NHL player and was going to get a huge NHL opportunity this year is Daniel Sprong. I mean, he's been talked about for a long time, that brief stint in the NHL a few years ago, and uh, had some time at the NHL level last year and did okay. Uh, I think they, meaning management, wanted to see more of a well-rounded game from him, wanted him to work on some of the defensive aspects and compete level and uh, defensive parts of his game. Those little details, which everybody has to figure out at some point, if you want to make it to the NHL and be a consistent NHL player, uh, I think he really worked on it. He had a tremendous year in Wilkes-Barre and now is putting in the work in the offseason. So he's going to have an outstanding chance I think from day one of training camp, I don't know where exactly he's going to fit on that depth chart, but he's going to be in the mix for a top six, top nine forward role. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm really curious to see how he responds. He's got that incredible shot. Uh, Daniel Sprong is a name to watch out for. And another one is Zach Aston Reese. I was really impressed by him with the brief stint that he had at the NHL level last year, he got the call up. Just a, a guy who can play just about any role. He's got some skill. Where he can play in a top six role, but he also has the grit, and he can play on a checking role and be a real physical presence. And it was a shame that he had his season ended prematurely because of that illegal high hit from Tom Wilson in the playoff series, broken jaw and a concussion. But he's totally fine now, totally recovered, and uh, I do think he is going to be very much in the mix because he showed last year that he can play just about any spot in the lineup and uh, he's only going to get better and better as he gets more experience in the NHL. So uh, that's a name uh, for me we could be seeing a lot of as far as a young guy who's earned an opportunity. Zach Aston-Reese would be one of them. You know, youth is such a fun topic, and I hear it a lot when you hear a team win a championship or multiple championships and people say, oh, they're so young, they're going to be good for a while. But in reality, everybody seems to be getting young. Every team gets better year after year. And Pittsburgh, what they've done is almost incredible to think about with the 12 straight years in the playoffs. How challenging is it in this day and age to be a contender year in and year out? And how does Pittsburgh maintain its status and continue to make the playoffs every year? Yeah, it's, it is incredible, isn't it? Uh, I was thinking about that just throughout the, the past season, watching a team like Chicago really bottom out and miss the playoffs. And that happened to L.A. too. These are the teams that have been the powerhouse franchises in the NHL for the last decade. Uh, and now and you think back to the Penguins, even though they had a year in 2015 where they lost in the first round of the playoffs, they never – really bottomed out where they missed the playoffs at a last place finish or somewhere near the bottom to do this in this era is absolutely remarkable year after year to at least be a playoff contender. And now we know the last three years, they've been a Stanley cup winner and contender. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And the work of Jim Rutherford and Billy Guerin and Jason Botterill, when he was here, and Jason Carmanos, uh, it's, it's absolutely outstanding to, replenish the organization remember they're not getting those top high-end draft choices by definition when you're in the playoffs you're winning stanley cups you're not getting 
many first-round picks, and a lot of times, as was the case last year, you have to go for it. So they trade their first-round pick. They don't have anybody at the, at the top of the draft. So you have to be more resourceful in how you replenish your prospect covered, and the, the Penguins have done that. I just talked about Zach Astorine. He's a college free agent signing. Uh, th- that's one route that you have to take. The Blackhawks have done that too. So when you're not getting those draft picks, you have to be more resourceful. You've got to hit on your second, third, fourth round picks, and the Penguins have done that. Uh, certainly did with Jake Gensel, who was a later round pick. Um, so you have to be able to hit on those draft picks and also find other ways to develop young talent. The Penguins have done that. And it's just everybody deserves credit from Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle all the way on down. Uh, it's just a, a top-notch organization. You talked about how Chicago hit that wall last year and fell out of the playoffs, and then on the other side of the equation is a team like Colorado who had a 47-point increase from the year before to last year and ended up making the playoffs. Are there teams that you're looking at this year that could fit either of those scenarios? An up-and-coming team who we should be looking out for is maybe a playoff team and then maybe a team who might be hitting the end of its window. Yeah, I've got to give it some thought. I, you know, I wonder about Vegas, first and foremost, because uh, that was such an incredible story. And it, i got to think it's tough to duplicate, even though they have so many really good pieces, starting with Marc-Andre Fleury and gold. I, I wonder if that the magic there is going to be difficult for them to duplicate. But the window is going to be open for them for a long time. I mean, they're young. They, they stockpile draft picks. They they could have even done better in the expansion draft, and they decided to go more of a with an eye toward the future. So they're just absolutely loaded for the future. Uh, the one team I think that has a chance to get back into the playoffs and it was a disappointment last year is the Edmonton Oilers. They've got one of the best players in the world in Connor McDavid, and a couple of other issues. And defense has always been an issue for them. And uh, a couple of other uh, positions, I mean, they traded Taylor Hall, and that looks like it wasn't the, the greatest move with now. He's the league MVP. Um, and a couple of other free agent signings haven't worked out. But I look at a team like Edmonton to maybe bounce back and get into the Stanley Cup playoffs again. And uh, as far as a window closing, you know, I, Tampa Bay is one that comes to mind. I, I just don't see their window closing. I think they're as good a Stanley Cup contender as any going into this season. But you wonder how many more runs they're going to have left as Stamkos gets older, as the salary caps start to take effect. They did a really good job at locking up Ryan McDonough. They've got a young goaltender entering his prime and Andre Vasilevsky. You only get so many cracks. And now they've had a few. They went to the Stanley Cup final in 2015. They're a game away from the Stanley Cup final last year. So I wonder about Tampa. I think they have as good a chance as ever to make a run and potentially win a Stanley Cup. But you, uh, you know that clock is ticking on a coach who's been there for a long time and John Cooper and a team that's, that's getting older, and uh, it's not going to last forever. So they, they may want to uh, go all in if they haven't already approaching this season. The Penguins are in a tough division, too. Five teams made the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. Washington, Pittsburgh, Philly, New Jersey, and Columbus. Is it going to be that much tougher again this year? Yeah, it's... <laughs> It is. It's going to be. It's going to be even tougher. Uh, New Jersey. They, they continue to impress me. That was one of the best stories of the year, if you ask me. To go from a last place team, and they were last in a lot of statistical categories, and didn't do a whole lot in the off season, but they had several young players that really stepped up. And Taylor Hall, who I mentioned most notably, um, really, really impressive story and, and year for them. And Ray Shiro and John Hines. 
So uh, real happy for those guys. And, and uh, Columbus, that, that's a team I wonder about. Columbus and uh, the, the Tortorella factor. He, we know his whole story. The axe gets old. He's been there now for a few years. And uh, a lot of disappointing finishes in Columbus. They still have yet to win a playoff series. Very young team. But I wonder if a slow start for them is going to really lead to some changes there in Columbus. It's kind of been status quo. They were up two games to nothing on Washington last year. At game three going into double overtime. A lot of people forget that. One bounce and maybe Washington is down three. Oh, it couldn't get out of that series. So uh, the expectations continue to be there for Columbus. Uh, but I do see them as a playoff team. We know Pittsburgh. We know Washington. Uh, certainly going to be cup contenders once again. It's a tough division. And now you're talking about an Eastern Conference where the Boston Bruins have gotten better. The Toronto Maple Leafs now have John Tavares and Austin Matthews. I already talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and some other teams that could surprise, like maybe the New York Rangers with Henrik Lundqvist in goal and going more of a youth movement. Maybe a team like the Rangers could be better than people think uh it it is tough the eastern conference in general and uh, metropolitan division specifically really tough and uh i don't think the penguins have any trouble making the playoffs but as we know that run and trying to go through that gauntlet of four rounds not easy to do especially these days Certainly will make for some fun hockey to watch, and obviously you get to call a good chunk of it on AT&T Sportsnet this year. Steve Mears, thank you so much for taking a few minutes with me today, and I can't wait to see that first puck hit the ice in October. I know. It's the best time, isn't it? It's always fun when uh, we get into the fall, the temperature drops a little bit, and we can get going with hockey season again. It's exciting for everybody all around the Penguins organization and uh, for the broadcasters, as we know. Uh, I just can't wait to get that first game going and uh, you get another journey. Thanks for having me. Our big thanks once again to the play-by-play voice on television for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Steve Mears, for joining us this week on the Toolbox. Certainly gets you all excited for the start of hockey season, knowing that the Penguins will once again have a very exciting team to put on the ice again this season. And you know, once they get started, it's not going to be very long after that before the Nailers get their training camp started in the first week of October, leading into that preseason opener October 5th at home against the Cincinnati Cyclones at 7.05. The regular season opener October 13th against the Norfolk Admirals on the road. And then the home opener for the regular season for your Nailers on Saturday, November 3rd, 7.05 when Wheeling plays host to the Indy Fuel. Some other things to look forward to. I hope you folks who saw the Facebook Live video at Coldstone Creamery get a chance to make a stop up there and try out Spike's Creation, which is a strawberry cake batter ice cream with sprinkles yellow cake and caramel that was such a fun activity that day and i'm so glad that we got to show it to you on video like we did make sure kids sign up for spikes kids club and we also have some cool new benefits for group tickets for the 1819 season so check out our group ticket page on wheelingnailers.com and for any other information group tickets flex plans season tickets and more you know what to do three 304-234-GOAL. That's 304-234-4625. This has been another edition of the Toolbox. I'm DJ Basella saying thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.